0: This is part four of the series that we're talking about of exposing the enemy. and We're looking at five names and titles of the devil because all of his names tell us something of his nature, how he attacks us and how we can defeat him. The most, the, most of the success the devil has, first of all, only about one-third of Christians believe that there is a real devil. And so according to Barna Research, so that's a huge problem right there because you can't defeat an enemy that you do not believe exists. The other thing that makes the devil so dangerous is stealth. And I talked about that last week. He's stealthy. He slithers in, slithers out, leaves a lie. And unless you're educated as a believer of what the Bible says about the devil, and by the way, the word devil in the Greek language is the word diabolos. I used it several times last week. But He is a liar. He is an accuser and a slanderer. He wants to divide our relationships. We talked about Lucifer and pride and how we defeat him with worship. We talked about Satan. He's the adversary of the word and we defeat him with the word. Today I want to talk about exposing the Antichrist. and We're going to talk in this message about the Antichrist in one word that I hope that you understand when this message is over. It's the word deception. The Antichrist is a deceiver, and he's in the world right now. I believe that the literal Antichrist person is somewhere on the world stage today, and I'll talk about that more in just a minute. The term Antichrist is used basically four times by John in the books of First and 2 John, uh, but the real person, the Antichrist, has 38 titles and names that he has given in the Bible, little horn, beast, man of sin, lawless one. We'll see some of the others in this message today. But the term antichrist, anti, means two things in the Greek language. It means to oppose, and it means to replace. This is exactly what the antichrist desires to do in the world today: is to oppose the work of Jesus Christ and to replace Jesus Christ in our lives. That's what he's about. And so we're going to look at this, and he has a twofold strategy of how he attacks us and how he attacks the world. The first part of his strategy that we're going to talk about is an outpouring of spiritual deception to incite the world to rebellion against God. This is happening right now in our world. It is an end times uh, apostasy from truth, an outpouring of deception as we have never seen before and what the Antichrist is doing is inciting the world in rebellion against God. Now, we're going to read 2 Thessalonians where I ask you to turn there. Let me say this. The book of 1 Thessalonians mentions the return of Jesus in every chapter. In 1 Thessalonians 4 is where we have a graphic description of the rapture of the church that I'm going to talk about more in just a minute. But unfortunately, when the church at Thessalonica received Paul's first letter, there was a rumor that went around that Jesus had come, the rapture had happened, that they had been left behind and that the tribulation had started. How many of you know that would upset you? Okay, So they were very upset. The believers in Thessalonica were very upset. So Paul wrote Second Thessalonians just like three or four weeks after the book of First Thessalonians. And what he's trying to do now in the text that we're gonna read, what he's trying to do is comfort them and let them know Jesus has not returned, the rapture has not returned, and here's what's gonna happen. In a sequence of events, here's what's gonna happen when the Lord returns. So we're really the beneficiaries of all of this because it helps us out a lot. Now, brethren, verse one, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to soon be shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away, the apostasy, the falling away from truth comes first, and the man of sin, that's one of the titles of the Antichrist, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, that's another one of his titles, who opposes, there's the opposition there, anti, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God. That's the abomination of desolation that happens midway through the tribulation. We'll talk about it more in just a minute. Showing himself that he is God. That is anti-replacing God. He opposes God, and he tries to replace God as the Antichrist. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, Only he who now restrains, who is the Holy Spirit in the church, only he who now restrains will do so until he, capital H-E, is taken out of the way and the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception, among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they would believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so what we're seeing today is a moral freefall in the world and in the United States of America. In the last 20 years, everything has changed and we see a total mass rebellion against God and against the morality of God. And this is preparing now for the rapture, because it says, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And it says, then the lawless one will be revealed. So we will not know who the antichrist is until the rapture takes place. And so people ask me all the time, they say, Jimmy, who do you believe the antichrist is? Well, I have my opinions, obviously. Uh, during football season, it's Tom Brady, uh, and... Uh, which makes Bill Belichick the false prophet, that makes sense too. (laughs) But that's just because I'm a jealous, bitter cowboy fan. But he's really not the Antichrist. But, you know, there are some real good candidates in the world today, but we won't know who it is. We will not know who the Antichrist is until we're gone. And listen, you need to thank God because what the Antichrist is gonna do on the earth, we will not be here while he's doing it. Now we see his spirit that is in the world today doing a tremendous amount of damage, but what actually takes place during his reign on the earth, we will not be here. So let me give you a timeline of end times events according to 2 Thessalonians and the rest of the Bible. And again, Paul does us a great favor here by telling us exactly what's gonna happen in order. Number one, a growing rejection of God's word and rebellion to biblical morality. Check that box. That has happened. Number two, the spreading of the gospel by the church as the Holy Spirit in the church restrains the work of Satan in the world. This is happening right now. We're preaching the gospel. We're doing the work of Christ. The church is restraining abortion. We are restraining immorality, transsexualism, all that's happening in the world today. And I just want to kind of park here for just a minute on this transsexual stuff. Because in my lifetime, I never dreamed anything like this would happen. And we have seen the, uh, you know, just the assault on biblical morality for about the last 20 or 30 years. In Canada, recently a child received a medical card, uh, which is basically a birth certificate. And for the first time in history, that child received a birth card or a medical card that had an unknown gender on it. They didn't identify the child as male or female because the child's parents identify themselves as non-binary. And they're saying they want their child to decide what sex they are. Okay. And in Canada, there's a law that's been passed very recently, and I'm going to read you the kind of headlines of this article. This is... Uh, Christian Post, New Ontario Canada law enables government to seize children from parents opposing gender transition. So if you do not believe in gender transition and uh, your ch- they believe that your children should be removed from you, let me quote this. The Minister of Children and Youth Services, Michael Couteau, who introduced the bill, said earlier this year that a parent's failure to recognize and support A child's gender self-identification is a form of child abuse. And a child in these circumstances should be removed from the situation and placed into protection. I wouldn't consider that a form of abuse when a child identifies one way and a caregiver is saying, no, you need to do this differently, Kuto said. If it's abuse and if it's within the definition, a child can be removed from that environment and placed into protection where the abuse stops. And this is now a quote from a man who opposes that law. With the passage of Bill 89, we've entered into an era of totalitarian power by the state, such as we have never witnessed before in Canada's history, said Jack Fonseca, senior political strategist for Campaign for Life, a Campaign Life coalition. Make no mistake, Bill 89 is a grave threat to Christians. And all people of faith who have children or who hope to grow their family through adoption. They also, in April of this year, a Christian couple filed a lawsuit against Hamilton's Children's Aid Society after two foster children were removed from their care because they refused to tell the children that Easter Bunny is real. And so, in Canada, this law has been passed in Ontario. And they're saying if you will not let your child transition to another sex, you're an unfit parent. Well, let, me, let me say this. And so the new thing now is the, the uh, birth certificates. Germany is allowing them, other nations are considering. The birth certificates where the child's sex is not listed uh, because they want the child to do it on their own. That's child abuse. It's not, yeah, that's child abuse. I want, to, I want to say something to you, just a fact. You can't change your sex. <laughs> These people who have sex reassignment surgery, first of all, according to one study, 41% of those people attempt suicide afterwards. It's not because they wake up different sexually. It's because they wake up dead sexually. And it's not what they thought it would be. Of course, it's not the devil's a liar. All sex reassignment surgery is cosmetic and it's pretense. And when you take a child and you put them through this transition, you've destroyed their lives. And there's a lot of little boys that are kind of soft and they'll get over it. And there's a lot of little tomboy girls and they'll get over it. I married one of them. (laughs) And children need an opportunity to go through their lives with their parents as godly guides, not their parents as agents of confusion. (laughs) Deception is like a radio frequency. It has nothing to do with reason, because you can't reason with these people. You can pray for them, but you can't reason with them. But if we all tuned into the same radio station and heard the same music and we we're all tapping our toes the same, that's a frequency. If you're not living for God, you're on the devil's frequency. And everyone is hearing the same lies on that frequency. Worldwide, the spirit of the antichrist is broadcasting the same demonic lies and the answer is to tune in to this frequency right here and be tuned into truth. We see a mass rebellion and it says the Antichrist before he comes, there's all unrighteous deception. And that's what we're seeing right now. Marriage and family is a marriage today, the ministry that I head, We're restraining a demon spirit of covenant breaking in the world today. There's a demon spirit that is attacking marriage. Uh, Absolutes, we believe in absolutes, but the world is built on relativism where nothing is absolute and we change our beliefs and values based on who we are where we live and what we want and all of that. But let me go back to the transsexualism for just a minute. Pediatricians and child experts across America are warning that there's no science behind this and that this is not right for these children. And according to these pediatricians, and you can read this, according to these pediatricians, they are being threatened that if they keep saying this, that they'll be run out of practice. And the state of Texas right now, we're considering passing a bathroom law to protect our loved ones in the bathrooms, public bathrooms. Did you know that corporations around America are warning the state of Texas right now, if we pass that bill, they're moving out of Texas? And the National Football League of all people are threatening us, telling us if we pass that bill, they're not allowed the Super Bowl to come to the state of Texas. And I say, keep your Super Bowl. We want God's blessing. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Who in the world do you think you are trying to tell us what to do and threatening us like that? Number three, thing that's going to happen on the timeline is the rapture of the church in an instant of time, and it could happen any moment. Again, this is according now to what Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and other parts of Scripture. Luke 17. This is Jesus' description of the rapture, and this is why I read this. It says, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And the point that I was just making is this. We're the restrainers. We're the restrainers of abortion. We're the restrainers of divorce. We're the restrainers of immorality. The church, we're not perfect people. We practice our faith imperfectly but sincerely, and we stand upon the word of God as the authority in our lives. We are the restrainers. But imagine a world without a Christian in it with the spirit of the Antichrist and the Antichrist himself leading a society without any word, without any restraint whatsoever. It's going to happen very very soon. Now, This is Jesus' description of the rapture. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, but on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day the Son of Man is revealed. And that day he was on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not go down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there'll be two people in one bed, the one will be taken the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together, the one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taken, the other left. And they answered and said to him, where, Lord? So he said to them, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot, righteous people living In a violent and immoral world. Are we living in a violent and immoral world? Okay. So this is what Jesus is saying. Like the days of Noah and Lot, this is a prejudgment, business as usual world. Now there are people, the tribulation is the last seven years of human history. Okay, so that's that's the last seven years. We will not be here. Now there are people who say, We're gonna go, we're gonna go through the tribulation. You know, get get your you know, get tough. We're going to go through the tribulation. Okay, so let me, let me say this. If you read the Bible, um, half of mankind is killed during the tribulation. Meteors hit the earth. All sea life dies. The, at the end of the seven years, the earth is a smoldering ruin. It is not a time of buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage. It's a time of mass death and starvation, and the world is a smoldering ruin. If you read the Bible, you could never believe in a tribu- in a rapture at the end of the tribulation. It is utter nonsense. Now let me say this. So, the Bible says Jesus, 1 Thessalonians 1:10, who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. 1 Thessalonians 5:9. It says God did not appoint us to wrath, okay? And then in Luke 21:36, Jesus said, "Pray that you may be worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the son of man. In Luke 21, Jesus is telling the disciples about the end times. He's saying, here's what's going to happen. Listen, pray that you may be worthy to escape all these things. He was just telling them what's going to happen at the end and to stand before the son of man. That's the rapture. Why would Jesus tell us to pray something that we can't get? If we're going to go through the tribulation, and by the way, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, comfort, one to know with these words? You cannot comfort me by telling me I'm going through the tribulation. <laughs> but you can comfort me by telling me I'm not. But some people say, Jimmy, you're an escapist. You better believe it. <laughs> Jesus told me to pray that way, and I'm praying that way. Pray that you may be worthy to escape everything that's going to happen and to stand before the Son of Man. And I'm going to tell you right now, in no Uh, uh, you know, with no doubt whatsoever that we are not going through the tribulation. We will be raptured out before. He who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way, then the Antichrist will be revealed. That's what Paul says. So listen to this. This is Revelation chapter six, and this is talking now about the tribulation. It says, the kings of the earth, the great men, this is Revelation six, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, The mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, "Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Isn't that an odd description of wrath? The wrath, how many of you are scared of lambs? I mean, have you ever like been walking down the street and seen a lamb following you and just got terrified and ran? (laughs) Let me explain to you the wrath of the lamb. Our precious Jesus died 2,000 years ago on the cross. And for 2,000 years, he has been offering his grace to sinful man. And for 2,000 years, he's been spit in the face, slapped in the face, abused, rejected. His name is used as a curse word. And he's been nothing but give more grace and more grace and more grace. The lamb of God who took away the sins of the world has been nothing but loving for the last 2,000 years. But on the day the church is raptured, it all changes. And that lamb who is the king of glory will pour out his wrath on this earth and they will know it's him. And the Bible says they will seek death, but they won't find it. And they're praying and saying, rocks fall down on us. The lamb, his wrath has finally come. And I'm telling you, we won't be here for that. But it's gonna be the worst time in world history. At the end of this message, there's going to be an altar call at the very end in all the services and campuses. And I'm saying, if you don't know Jesus Christ, this is the time to make your life right with Jesus. If you're a Christian, you're not living for God. This is the time, everything the Bible said What happened is happening around us right now and the rapture, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, happens in the twinkling of an eye. 1 Corinthians 15, twinkling of an eye. Instantly, we're in the presence of God. A twinkling of an eye takes 1 44th of a second. It's not enough time to repent. It's not enough time to to make wrong things right. It happens instantly. Jesus, by the way, when he's telling about the rapture, it's a selective rapture. He says one is taken the other is left behind. And the word taken means to receive unto yourself. The raptures, when we meet Jesus, and they came to Jesus when he said, well, where are they taken? He said, wherever the eagles are gathered, there is where their body is. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, we're caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds in the air. And that's what Jesus is saying. I'm gonna come, but I know who belongs to me. And just because you're sleeping next to a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. And just because you're standing next to a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. If you don't know Jesus, you're not a Christian, you're going to be here for the last seven years. That's not God's choice. It's your choice. And I'm saying we need to make our lives right. Number four thing that's going to happen is the Antichrist is revealed to the world and they worship him. Last seven years of of the end are broken into two halves. The first three and a half years are the rise of the Antichrist Then the abomination of desolation takes place and what that means is there's a rebuilt temple on the Temple Mount in Israel according to Daniel, according to Matthew 24, according to 2 Thessalonians 2 and according to Revelation 13 that we're about to read. There is a rebuilt temple in Israel. The Antichrist enters into that temple three and a half years in the tribulation and proclaims himself God. That begins what is called the Great Tribulation. The last three and a half years uh, of the earth. After he does that, all heaven breaks loose on the earth. Revelation 13. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast. That's another one of his names. Rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns, ten crowns. On his heads, a, blas- a blasphemous name. The beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon, that's Satan gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if he had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months, three and a half years. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, And those who dwell in heaven, abomination of desolation, it was granted to him to make war with the saints, those are the people getting saved during the tribulation, and overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. And this man who is called the beast, the most evil person in world history who is Satan incarnate, is about to enter. The world stage. Number five, this is the final one: the second coming of Christ. In Second Thessalonians, says that Jesus slays the antichrist with the breath of his mouth and the brightness of his coming. The rapture is a private event that the world does not see. It occurs between Jesus and the church, and there will be billions of people in the world here and instantly gone, and no one knows why. And they begin to try to explain what just happened. But at the end of the tribulation, according to Revelation 19, we return with Jesus after the marriage supper of the Lamb. For seven years, the world is going through tribulation down here. And for seven years, we are having a wedding feast with Jesus in heaven. Somebody say amen. Amen. We are marrying Jesus. And at the end of the seven years, we return with Jesus. That is the glorious appearing of Jesus. And we will be right there. We will have just a ringside seat when Jesus defeats the beast and the false prophet and sets up his 1,000-year rule on the earth. We will rule and reign with him during that time. I'm telling you, this is what the Bible says. And this is what the Apostle Paul was trying to say to the church at Thessalonica. Hey, hey, it hasn't happened, but here's what's about to happen. And I'm saying, if they were close 2,000 years ago, how close are we right now? And we're seeing Israel, the end times, deception. We're seeing everything happening right before our very eyes so the number one let me remind you i'm talking about the twofold strategy of the antichrist and the first is an outpouring of spiritual deception to incite the world to rebel against god the second is seduce god's people with worldliness to keep them from trusting and serving him to seduce god's people with worldliness this is first john two interesting remember john is the one who uses the term antichrist do not love the world Or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. And so, if Satan can't keep you from knowing God, And you then know God, what he wants you to do is keep you from trusting and serving God. He doesn't want the church accomplishing our mission, so what he does is he uses the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life to try to seduce us away from God. And John says here, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you're you're trusting in the world, position, pleasure, and uh, possessions is what he's talking about here. If your trust is in those things, you're not trusting in God the Father. Here's two scriptures, and I'll tell you a couple of stories, and I'll finish. Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he has no sorrow with it. Did you know God's, God's the most perfect Father in the universe? You know he wants, he wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. But when he blesses you, it's all win-win. There's no sorrow. Here's 1 Timothy 6. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. We have a perfect father who wants to bless us and who will take care of us and we don't need the world, we need God the Father. But the Antichrist spirit in the world right now is doing everything he can to try to seduce us with worldliness, all believers. We had a life group before I went into the ministry, Karen and I were members of Trinity Fellowship before I pastored it, I was in business with my family. We had a life group, and we had a couple in our life group, and he was probably 27, 28, and he had a new business. And every week when they came to life group, they asked for prayer. And, and we prayed for him. And his business became successful, very successful. They were very, during the time that we were praying for his business, it was always on the brink of failure uh, for about a year, year and a half. They were very humble. They were the first people there, the last people to leave. But the more successful his business became the more arrogant he became and the more set, successful his he didn't just dress nicer he dressed worldly if you know what i'm talking about he just looked he, he acted arrogantly he they, worldly they became less and less frequent uh get members of our group and of the church and one day i took him out and uh and i said hey because i was in business just like him and i said i want to i want to talk to you about something and and i just never forget the way he was looking at me across the table i said you've changed you're not the same and i just told him you used to be so humble you used to be so hungry for god but money has changed you i thought he was going to attack me at the table and i was being my sweet self i'm always so sweet <laughs> as y'all can tell I wasn't being mean. I wasn't, I wasn't being forceful or self-righteous with him. I was just telling him, I'm worried about you. I never saw him again. They left the church. They left our life group. I never saw him again. But they divorced shortly afterwards. And everything else I heard about that man was bad. About the time that we were getting married, Karen's dad was starting a business. Uh, he was an insurance salesman in Amarillo, but he was starting a business down here, um, a corporate insurance business selling corporate insurance to Fortune 500 companies. And he struggled for several years. But when we were about in our mid-20s, we married when we were 19 years old. When we were about in our mid-20s, his business just took off and uh, became very successful and they became wealthy. Karen's parents did. But the wealthier he became, the more humble and godly he became. The exact opposite of the story I'm telling you. Money not only didn't change him and make him worldly, The more wealth he had, the more responsibility he felt to God to steward that wealth properly. And his dependence on God, Karen's dad, I've always respected this about him, his dependence on God, Karen's mom and dad, increased with more money because their money was a blessing. It wasn't something that was in the world luring them away from God. The question is not how much money we have. The question is how much does money have us? And is it compromising our dependence upon God the Father? I want to say something to you. You have the perfect Father. And He's filthy rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And He loves to bless His children more than you love to bless your children. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you? He calls us evil compared to God. And I'm saying we don't need the stinking world. We have God as our Father. But as much as the Antichrist spirit is in the world right now trying to oppose everything of God, the Antichrist spirit is in the world right now trying to seduce us as God's people into a worldly system to keep us from serving and trusting God. And I say, we must expose him and stand against him and live our faith right before Jesus. I want you to bow your heads if you would there. And Lord, we come to you and we don't need the Antichrist. We need Jesus Christ. And we expose the work of Antichrist right now. We expose his lies, his deception, his seduction, of us as believers. And Lord, we want to be blessed. We want our family to be blessed. But we refuse to go into the world to get what we can get from our God without losing our health, our reputation, our marriage. It is the blessing of you, God, that makes us rich and you add no sorrow to it. And we come to you right now, Jesus, and we say you are are our Lord and Savior, and we commit our lives to you. And we will live for you, faithful to you and your word, until you come. We pray right now, Lord, you'll forgive us of all of our sins, of all of our compromises, all of our compromises, because all of us are imperfect. But fill us again with your Holy Spirit and prepare us to live victoriously in these evil times. In Jesus' name. Amen.